okay, now I have it. I can store it. How do I make it all work together? And, and that just even gets kind of harder and harder. So, you know, again, when you kind of talk about things in the cloud, and again, Kina, she, she referenced it there, you know, the capacity, why I may be able to handle it, it may not have the ability to really understand and put those things together in an intelligent way that you can kind of make use of. Okay. Michelle? All right. I was waiting for Michelle. Michelle, you have anything? Any questions? Well, this is very interesting. I, I, got, I got a lot more, but... Uh, <laughs> Man, you know, and uh, you still working. All right, y'all guys are working. I'm not. So we, I got yeah. that. All right, but I feel my days with this stuff here. No, no, we're all good. Uh, we're all good. All right, great, great, fantastic. You know, one thing I, I wanted to mention was, you know, what do you think? And I don't want to get ahead of my audience here, but I do have these questions for my own, uh, you know, information. You got AI on one side and you have quantum computing on the other. Mm -hmm. All right. Is it... Is quantum computer something that is come is near, or is AI sufficient, or do you think AI is going to be just the horse to ride going into the future, or or what? And I'm talking. Um, yeah, so, so so there's different ways to look at. It. I, I will say that from a technology perspective, it really night and day. There's nothing you can kind of compare is that they perform the same types of functions. Probably outside of the scope of efficiency, right? And quantum computing is something that's been around for for a while. Um, even in a very kind of legacy mindset, you know, you talk about main trades, right? If you go back to the 70s and 80s, some organizations still run main trades. The main trades never go away. The main thing will always It will be. never go away. It, it. And, and it solves that problem, some of what we're talking about, that, that the data, so much information, it's got a process and all of those things. But, you know, again, it's not enough. It's never enough because of the amount of information that we generate today. So when you look at things like quantum computing, you know, at the speeds that computers and machines can move today, it's just really not efficient enough for some type of large scale task. And that's where things like data and artificial intelligence come into play, right? I, I think they're both complementary to it. So again, if we're really talking about these massive amounts of information, you have a system that while it can store it, you talked about the cloud, it may not be able to process it. You're really gonna need that capability that can process it and at a speed um, that, you know, again, gives you the information in a timely manner. Uh, because most of the time, if you're really talking about people that need to leverage those types of things, you know, they're probably performing tasks to where it's, it's not just as simple as having a lot of information. It's the, the speed and the ability on which we can get information to make decisions is very critical. Uh, and one good example of that is, you know, the United States military. If, if they go somewhere and kick down the door some foreign land or something like that, Everything they've done was driven by some type of intelligence. So, like, you know, if it was a target that's in the space and the intel says, you know, from a week ago that it's only going to be there for, like, maybe two weeks, it needs to have that understanding of the latest information to ensure that's still accurate. So, again, time is truly of the essence of situations like that. But then that's, again, something complementary like artificial intelligence can come into place to where it can even help further and quickly analyze that thing along with the humans that are performing kind of the same or they set you up. So one of the things that come to mind with me is, you know, because you see different jobs now where it seems like they are kind of pushing for that data science um, kind of a function, right? They're looking mm -hmm. for people to help feed data into the um, 
let's just say the language models, right? Because with AI, the more data you have available, the more, um, I guess, exact and precise the, the responses can be and the functions can be. But when you think about it, I kind of look at it almost like feeding a brain, right? Probably ideally like in a mainframe kind of a mindset, um, there could be this, you know, I don't know, one cloud that has all the information that's possible, but then how much of that is indexed, you know, and in what are the parameters that it's indexed based on? Because different industries, different disciplines, different types of organizations need different subsets of information. So is it going to be a situation where only specific types of organizations have access, readily access to certain index data? And because the other types of data that's not relevant to some of their key functions and questions maybe remains archived. And then some other organizations has access to that data or that's considered index data based off of the functions that they perform. It's like the thought process kind of keeps going on and on because when you think about the data just growing and growing and growing in disparate locations, or do people need it, do these organizations need it kind of like in the same, in the same platform, in the same environment, if, if you guys understanding what I'm thinking, what I'm talking about. So like, it's like how disparate or, you know, um, how co-located does the data need to be to 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 perform um, efficiently across? Let's just say when you talk about the Internet, anyone coming from any type of a background can have any type of a question. But then yeah. when you're using AI and specific function, are they just indexing certain data so that it's readily available? You know, like what's the what's the thought process behind it? No, that is, that is a very great question. I'll say this. I can probably answer that in so many ways. I'll focus on the, the data aspect, what I'll call the data consolidation, right? Kind of all in one space or in multiple spaces. So um, fundamentally, right, everything in one space is so much easier. So many disparate spaces, whether it's in the same physical location or, you know, in all other cities or countries or things like that. And so on. So that's the first part. Um, when you talk about how you work, how it's segmenting or partitioning that data so that only like certain people have access to it to perform these functions, it, it's very important. It's important for a number of reasons. One is just you know, when it comes to data in general, it really should only be made available to the people that need access for it for a specific reason. Right. But then the other aspect of it is, again, talking about AI and the things that has to process, even if we put the conversation of quantum computing in the mix. Um, more information is just I need more time, and and with more time, it could be well, how complex is this information, right? That's where we get into the natural language processors and so many other kind of models to kind of break that stuff down and make sense of it. So, uh, I, if I had to summarize all that, I would say all together, ensuring that you're focusing on the right data that's really needed that kind of gets to those types of people, and that's really a prioritization and making it to where you have those tools in place that can really kind of support where you need to do. Kind of going back to that whole aspect of, um, uh, you know, kind of all in one place and, and so on. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when they get into stuff like this, they they want to just take all the data they have and just start throwing it into these capabilities and thinking that, hey, it's, it's AI or it's whatever it is, is going to figure it out. And I'll tell you, and speaking to some some, some technologists here at PMs, uh, I'm pretty sure you can attest, the technology is always the easiest part. It's the programmatics. Figuring out how we're going to do this thing, that's the hard part. People like to skip over that. But if you figure that out, the technology is the simplest thing in the world. 
So, you know, when, when there's these organizations and people that just want to take massive amounts of information, put it in there, go out and grab these technologies and think it's going to work, they quickly find out it's not going to work. There's a lot of homework and legwork that has to be done in terms of whether it's tagging this data so it only goes to those appropriate people because, you know, it's, it's almost like you took a big swimming pool and threw everything in it while everyone can see it, right, without that kind of right kind of level of effort there everyone will be able to have access to it. So you definitely got to partition it and only make it available to the right folk. But then again, right, is you have to understand that this technology is still so so immature to an extent. And even if it wasn't right, you know, there's always going to be a cost associated with doing business as well. So when you prioritize the data that's important to your organization, and I'm not talking about in general, I'm talking about when you're starting off these efforts, that's probably going to be the most important thing you do. Uh, one, so you can really learn to figure these things out but it's going to be the thing that's going to provide your organization the most value. Okay, I now I have something that I think uh, is very, very important. Is there is AI bias? These laws, like let's say ChatGPT, along with Bard and and the rest of them, uh, are they biased? Open yeah. Are they biased? Hundred percent, they are biased. But it's, it's not intentionally, right? Is it kind of goes back to that aspect of what what is AI, right? Simplest definition. Uh, and I don't think I threw the word in there, but it tries to replicate human behavior and activity, right? So, uh, you know, if we use examples like uh, probably one of the most common, uh, I'm thinking in my, my old Department of Defense space, there was always this thing when things like drones came out. Hey, drones would be the thing that would be able to replace the pilot and so on. And then the, the human homes are like never. And, you know, there could have been an ego aspect of that and some other things, but the reality is it's true, right? Because a human has the ability through multiple life experiences, morals, and so many other things to have the ability to kind of adapt and make decisions. Technology will and always will be something that it does what it was trained to do. And even when we talk about AI, you know, have generative AI, which is probably the better one. And, you know, if there's one to probably focus on, that's the one I'll say focus on the most because it's attempting to kind of mimic those human behaviors when it kind of comes to things outside of logic. Um, but again, even with that, you you have to train it. You know, you know, most people don't realize this. If you start using some of these AI tools and models, you know, outside of those conversational things like chat GP, AI couldn't tell you a cat from a dog if you showed it a picture. But once you tell it that's a cat and that's a dog, the next picture that would come up, it still may not know the difference. But over time, it starts to learn and analyze certain characteristics about it. So it's like, yeah, they both have four legs, so that's confusing, but this one has this kind of ears and this, this, and this, and so on. So now I can assimilate between the two, but if you then took a, a cat and something like a big inverter of the cat, like a mountain lion or something, it would probably still be a little confused to decipher the two. So, um, you know, so that's some of the kind of bias that, that exists within it is that, um, whether, you know, is, is things of that nature or some of the more kind of common sense things like just cultural aspects, the way we we talk different, uh, even in, in typing things out, whether it's you know, for lack of a better slang or different acronyms or things of that nature. Right. Most of these models and capabilities were, again, developed by somebody that would also talk a really different way. Um, and it's even getting to the point now with A.I., there's the facial recognition aspects. Uh, again, right, I was going to mention to figure out those features that are different 
kind of based on races and things like that, even while you can train it, there's not, there's always going to be a situation to where there's going to be something unique about an individual or a number of individuals that it doesn't have an understanding of. So, so the only thing you can do is best guess, really kind of at the end of the day. Okay. Now, I do have another question, though, and this is, has implications for everybody. I, I, I'm a heavy user of my mobile phones. A lot of people are heavy users of, of apps and Facebook and all of these types of things. All right. And a lot of times your scammers or, or your, your people that are looking to hack into your accounts and stuff like that, they leverage these social media sites. Mm -hmm. Or they just go right into your hack your phone. All right. And especially if they get two, a couple of key pieces of information that's, you know, inherent to you only, like your social security number, things like that. Do you see any downside of AI? Uh, in, as a, do you see these hackers using AI as a tool to further their attempt to, you know, steal from people? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I can speak on the one from the social media aspect. So um, there's a, a newish threat that people kind of call deep fake. And what it is, and, and you all potentially may have come across it, right? You may have someone that's on your friends list, been there forever, right? And this is where behavior is important, right? Outside of this conversation, right? If you understand and pay attention to human behavior, you can always tell when something isn't right. So let's say you have that friend there and are your friends, you just never communicate. There, there, there's no reason you don't, you, you just don't for whatever reason, right? You saw them in person, probably say hi, keep it moving, not a problem at all. Um, and then one day this person reaches out to you, right? And most likely in the context of something like Facebook, it will be Messenger, right? And they are asking you questions. So again, if you don't think about it, you won't pay attention, but it's like, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Maybe I'll respond and say hi. But then the conversation goes in a way of like, I haven't talked to them forever. We don't have these kind of conversations. Something's weird. And then it gets to a point because they know that certain people will eventually pick up these things. You may then receive a phone call or a video call. And when you see the video call, it is that person, it is that their case, and they are talking in the same conversation with you. Um, none of it is real. Uh, literally, what they've done with this deep fake is they have the ability to take the image of a face, kind of implant it over something, also capture the person's voice. Um, so it's potentially probably the scammer is talking, but they look like this person you know when you're having a conversation. Um, Within my professional side, our organization, one of its big responsibilities is uh, issuing loans and loan guarantees to small businesses, right? Almost every single day, multiple cases of it, we have situations to where uh, people are contacted by what they believe is the director of the organization. And, and you know, again, to put it into perspective, when will that ever happen? Never, right? But they're contacted by an individual they believe to be that. And this individual um, says, hey, you know, I understand that, you know, you apply for this loan or something like that. You have questions. And a lot of the information is easy to ascertain, especially if that person's information was part of a breach or something like that, where they just got access to it. And then after that, you say, I'm here to help you. In order to help you, give me your social security, your application number. But again, if you got my application, you know, nonetheless, application number, your social security Never your you know your, your federal tax ID your tax returns for this year just enough information to basically kind of do whatever they want with so now if you're the individual that's in need and, and that's generally how all scams work right it's not that these people are really good is you target a vulnerability 
right? I target somebody that needs something. And if it's coming from a person I think they can help me, it is very easy to get whatever you want. Um, and that's what we're experiencing now with stuff like DeepFake, which is 100% driven by artificial intelligence. And it definitely can expand to, you know, the app side and things of that nature as well. So um, it's, I know for, for me specifically, it's one of the things that I'm focusing on a lot. Um, but yeah, there's just so many things that are related to that that are happening as well. Yeah. So I have a question on the medical side. Yep. Since this technology is so advanced, are the medical professionals using it to find cures for like cancer research? Since humans can't figure it out, have they touched on that? I don't know for a hundred percent sure, but I would easily guess that it is being used um, in ways like that. If nothing else, definitely for the research aspect. But uh, and I say this to say, every time I start looking at different industries of how AI is being used, the first thing that comes to mind is like I, I would have never thought of that, um, never at all. Um, so so there's just so many applications for it. So. I can easily guess yes in the way specifically the medical industry is going that I couldn't, couldn't tell you um, any specific there. Um, but yeah, I'm 100% positive that they are using I read something uh, a few months ago, maybe about four months ago, and uh, maybe I can find it, but it was talking about the use of AI in um, infectious diseases um, and being able to, because they can replicate certain things with AI and come draw conclusions a lot quicker than humans can. I don't know the underlying technology under it, but they were talking about how they're able to make certain decisions and kind of move on to the next scenario um, to determine what can um, cure certain diseases. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Truly, yeah. yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, I would think that, you know, since this is such a, this is taking over everything, every aspect, every field, that that would be a, a priority in the medical industry. Yeah. And uh, something I would say to that example there in your question is uh, something that doesn't get talked about a lot with AI. People really think it's the it's the machine that takes over and can do all of these task force. And while that's a piece of it, most organizations everywhere, even a lot of stuff we talked about today, is really being used in the context more of automation. So, again, it's that efficiency, right? So right. that's a keenest point. You know, if, if I'm sitting up there and I'm trying to figure this out and I'm doing this advanced research and I need this information quickly, it's kind of like perform these tasks for me. Again, automate what I would normally do with someone else, but you can just do it so much faster than me. So, so again, it's, you know, even back, I can take this back to the whole aspect again of, you know, jobs and, and impact there. You know, if, if anybody wants to look at, you know, what's going to be the big focus for a very long time or potential impact, it's going to be around things that can be automated for the most. But again, there's right. nothing out there that can be 100% really automated. Artificial general intelligence, all right? Now, we talk, we spoke about AI, but the next step up, according to you know, the people that I listen to and what I see out there is, mm -hmm. what is the difference between AI and AGI, artificial general intelligence? Yeah, that may be the, uh, yeah, the generative AI. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it, it's best to really look at it as, I don't want to say classes or categories, but there's, there's an evolution model of AI, right? Um, and, and there's so many that exist. I think today they say the experts that we're kind of like in the fifth evolution of AI, and that's really where generative comes in. At. So again, you think you want to think kind of simple AI or narrow AI, it, it's, it's really those things that are like, they predate the chat box. 
and stuff that like that. Really simple functions. And and when you get into generative AI, it's this bigger evolution to where there is now something that can not only perform these automated and efficient tasks, but it does it almost, and I say almost with a caveat, right? As good as a human. And a human may be like a two or three year old, but when we talk about, you know, advances, you know, years ago, they couldn't even really kind of do that. So if you've ever seen, and this is AI that doesn't get talked about a lot, right? Robots, right? There's the robots that used to walk really flanky, they might throw on a treadmill or something, but now you got the ones that can do full out sprints and, and things like that or perform a lot of uh, maneuvers the way kind of a human can. Still not as good, but. That's where we really kind of get into generative AI. And when we talk about it from a conversational aspect, um, probably one of the best, again, common examples would be something like ChatGPT. It's a really early form of it, but it's the thing to where, you know, I can ask it information, it can return back, we can have some level of conversation. Siri would be another one. Um, but again, it's still limited to where how it's been trained and what it can perform. Okay. I know Siri is my go-to. You know, you get a certain age, you start it, you know, if you don't write something down right away. So that's what I got to report. That's, that's, it's a very, very good tool. And let me um, add to that, since you mentioned that part, you made me think of something that I forgot. The, the real value with generative AI outside of performing more of these human-type functions, and, and, and to me, it is the kind of scary part, right? I started thinking about movies like The Matrix and so on. Generative AI is the one that also has the ability to some extent self-learn over time. And it's based off those behaviors. So, you know, it, if I was sitting there having a conversational, you know, discussion, you know, on, on something with, with like some type of generative AI technology, um, or I can even take that out of there because we're talking a lot about conversational things. If AI is implemented in a way to where it has insight of data on me, and let's say travel was something mentioned earlier, right? If it, it can sit there just based on analyzing my travel information and letting know to where, hey, not only does it look like probably every three months he takes a trip somewhere, but it can further identify that based off where he takes trips to and maybe combined with other information, he's potentially performing these types of activities when he's there. So again, it gets a lot more intelligent to where you can create safe assumptions. Um, about things. Uh, I use it today again within my professional side and related to travel is foreign travel. And again, I only do it from a perspective of I know where the employees of our organization are authorized to perform work functions. Um, it's anywhere in the continent of the United States, but it's also U.S. territories and sometimes it's other countries as well that I know where that occurs. Um, so um, I, I don't even have to do anything. I have AI doing this for me. If AI knows that, hey, Walt, on generally 365 days out of the year, he's at these two locations, and then some by chance today, I see his activity popping up in Mexico, it's going to immediately flag and let me know that because that's outside of your behavior. Now, it may not be you. Someone could have compromised your account or something like that, but it knows that's not you. Uh, and, and then I have things set up as well as to where, like, Hey, maybe I know Walt was going to, to Mexico, right? And I know he was going on this date, but two hours or, or an hour from when he got to Mexico, now he's showing up in, you know, Europe. And I know it's impossible to get from Europe to, you know, from Mexico to Europe within an hour. So that's something that would flag you. Because again, it just looks at common 
logical sense, behavioral type things to really kind of come to conclusions about like something's not right. I do have a question. When did you think that humans and AI would form that symbiotic relationship? Oh, never. I don't know. <laughs> they, keep, they keep talking about it. They keep talking about it that, you know, we're going to merge with the machine. Yeah. You know, to me, that, that kind of gets me back to that whole conversation about like the matrix and and yeah, so on yeah. like that. I, I, I do feel, and it's just the, you know, this is my, my personal beliefs, right? My philosophical ones. Uh, and, and history has told me this. Um, we are definitely a society to where um, we, we obviously prefer what's easier. So I know those points raised for about, you know, stealing and singing advantages, like cheating and all of those things. Without question, that stuff can happen because it's, it's easier, right? Without the right controls in place. Um, but I feel because of that, and, and if there's not people out there really having the right conversations to really kind of put these things in nice tight boxes, uh, we probably potentially will get to a point um, to where it kind of explode and we rely on technology like AI and other things way more than we should. And I think when that occurs, you know, you know, pick, pick your movie, right? I keep naming the Matrix with something like, you know, um, iRobot with Will Smith if he saw that or something. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's so, not uncommon, right? We're talking sci-fi here, but it's not uncommon to really see that those things can occur. And, and I don't just put those out there as notional, right? There, there are technologies that have been developed like that. All it's going to take is for a society to want to kind of adopt those things. And I think when that occurs, I don't think, while, while they may use those kind of symbiotic kind of connections, I think it'll eventually turn into this thing to where we rely on the technology or the machine so much um, to where the machine, again, this thing that has been trained, um, will will start thinking for us and, and will potentially allow. All right. I think we got like, all time for that ever happens, if it happens. I hope it never happens. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you, you look at self-driving cars, that's AI. Yeah. I'm looking for, actually, I'm trying to wait, okay, to, trade, to get another car, because the next car I buy, I want a self-driving car. So basically what I want to do is get in the car and say, okay, I want to go to Williamson, North Carolina. No, this relax. Do you see that in the near term? Uh, I, I do. But, you know, uh, you know, again, to not re- kind of regurgitate things, uh, I think you would have to ask yourself, yeah, like, uh, like, you know, can can you really trust that? And, and I'll tell you, like, you know, there's actually a number of cases out there to where um, individuals in these self-driving cars may have been pulled over for something like speeding or swerving, right? And, and, right. and it's really like constitutional debates of, if someone is in a self-driving car and they get pulled over because these are case laws that are happening, who do you charge? Well, you can't charge the car because um, even if you figured out in a way, our society is already conditioned to say, well, cars don't do things humans do, right? It's just like guns. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. So, but then if you look at it further than that, just the way things are adopted in society is that cars are issued driver's license. Humans are. Humans are deemed to be safe drivers and all of these things under the right conditions and so on like that. But again, it is a conversation to where if I wasn't driving, how can you charge? So, yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I'm, I think there's got to be limits on things like that. I personally wouldn't trust it um, and not necessarily just for those reasons. It's just even if we just look at this simply, the experience that a human would have driving. Especially human is before me. Okay. All right. Any other so, questions? Yeah, I, I I would challenge a, a statement that we've made here, which is the time frame, and the only reason why, and just from a thought process. Um, I saw something 
Okay, so the reason why, you know, I'm nosy, right? I'm always reading stuff. I, I love to read. Um, yeah. And, um, and, you know, how you have like the different um, newsletters that come from the various hospitals around you and how they're advancing in different technology. We stored my youngest daughter's stem cells through a company called Viacord. So you're kind of up to date on all the different advancements that go on. So when we talk about the usage of AI and kind of merging with the body, when we think about how pacemakers have been designed and it's technology that can help someone live, we look at um, hearing aids, you know, someone couldn't hear and now we have technology to help them hear. I, I saw something and I don't remember where I, I need to be able to have my, my sources, right, where it said that they're looking at the use of AI in cognitive speech. So where people have speech aphasia, where they have loss of speech, they're trying to figure out ways to use AI to kind of help with that. So when when I think that and if something else that I saw, something else that's brain related and um, a, something about the introduction of AI and and different neurological advancements. You know how there's there's always research going on behind the scenes. And then once they have an opportunity, once they have something that they want to share with the public, then we find out like this influx of information. Um, there is research that's being done behind the scenes, whether we'll be able to use it in the, you know, tomorrow or next year, probably not. But I'm inclined to believe that there there's a lot of research going on behind the scenes. And we're probably going to have test cases where people are going to volunteer themselves, you know, for some of the um, clinical research that's being done. Yeah, I think I got to get as educated as you on the things you've seen there. I definitely have to, is, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, definitely from a marketing perspective, uh, the latest and the highest, at least in my space, you know, those terms will get thrown a while for almost anything that can potentially smell like it because it's great marketing it provides potentially a new revenue stream for even kind of the same old thing. Um, uh, you know, I know it's a challenge you're actually experiencing now in my professional space, AI use cases. But, you know, again, when you really kind of get to those aspects of placing or replicating something that a human can perform, uh, I think that's going to be the key. And, and again, it, it may exist just in those things. I'm, I, I think you definitely piqued my interest to start looking into those things more. So I appreciate that. One of the things about me as well is because, you know, we're living so much longer than our grandparents and what have you have lived. I, I want to do that in a healthy manner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when you find out that there's technology or medical technology, I've always loved medical technology, where if something starts to become a little generative, degenerative in your body, that there's possibly something that exists somewhere in a country that can kind of bring you back, like st stem cell research and stuff. I'm kind of on it because if anything happens to me in my life, I want to know where to go. Like, oh, they, I, I don't want doctors to have to figure it out. I, I kind of want to know, hey, they're already doing that in Switzerland. Can you get me over there? Yeah. Now, I will so. say this, because uh, this is something I do remember. With, with AI, you also have um, again, it doesn't get really mentioned a lot, but um, the predictive analysis aspects. Um, so I can very well see and believe I've heard of cases to where they can take an individual's health information um, and then even potentially combine it with health information of their family members and so on. Those before them, those that have come after them and look for those kind of signs and activities of like, hey, you know, I may be able to easily tell you you're prone to diabetes because you both your parents had diabetes. But they can maybe even get a lot more kind of specific to that to kind of inform you of things you may need to be concerned. So in my family, um, we've done a lot of testing with um, 23andMe and Ancestry.com. Yeah. And especially with 23andMe, 
they're really coming back and asking you a lot. They, they just keep coming with more data, asking for more data so that they can start to pull together. And they have a, um, they can pull together. Um, I can't think of the term. I want to say a dossier on your health. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's um, they have a health report that you can access or not access. I remember when it first came out a few years ago and they'll constantly update it based off of the information that becomes the data that becomes available in their systems. So I remember my sister was afraid to ask access it because she was like, I don't want to find out anything and, you know, be stressed out about it. I was like, hold on, I'll pull mine. <laughs> but um, but that was a couple of years ago when when the when it first became available, I they haven't, you know, they'll send information to say, hey, you can pull your health data again if, if there's new information. But it's kind of like, what do you what do you do with it? It was very correct in saying that we tend to be anemic um, because we are, we do tend to be anemic in, in, uh, in my family. But um, some of the other information, put it this way, it wasn't enough for me to be concerned about anything. Right, right. So. But yeah, so there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff. Yeah. So much yeah. All right, Jeffrey. I. I think that we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was all good, though. I think that we got some got some gold here, you know? We get gold. Yeah. So I do want to thank you. I want to thank Zakina. I want to thank Michelle. And I really want to thank you, Jeff. You know, I went, yeah, I'm going to go, but if we have uh, any questions regarding AI, please send it to the World Weekly at gmail.com. I can forward it on to Mr. Harris here. And, uh, He's out. He's going to be our in-house technology professor. All right, Jeffrey. So, if anybody wanted to contact you, uh, how do we go about doing that? Is there, or you don't want to be contacted? I can understand if you don't. That's a really good question. Look, I don't see my email, but I never get a chance to check it. But yeah, we can filter it out. I mean, if you have questions, I'm talking to the audience now. If you have questions regarding AI, send them to the what weekly at gmail.com. Okay, so with that said, Jeffrey, again, I want to thank you. Um, I'm proud of you. I used to go to school with your uncle. Your uncle Carlton was my classmate. Yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, we, we're close. We're close. All right, Keno, I want to thank you. Michelle, I want to thank you. And, uh, hey, guys, uh, tune in to the Walt Weekly. Uh, hopefully, we may have Jeffrey back because this is evolving technology, and it's changing every day. All right, so I would like to talk about Sam Altman, OpenAI, Microsoft, and all those types of entities and people, actually. And uh, hopefully we can have you back to address some additional questions that we have. Nope, I would love to come back. I, I had a great time. I really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks to, to the panel here. And uh, have a good day. And to our audience, subscribe, follow. We're on all major streaming platforms, all major streaming platforms, even iHeartRadio. I had to discover that, but we're there. Now, thanks, everybody.